song, oh Lord.
today to God I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room like you're not in the room I want to look right at you 
want to talk, sing right to you. I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. I want to look right at you. I want to sing right to you. Today, God, we want to sing to you, Lord. We want to not sing up you. We want to sing. And I ask that, Lord, you will guide our hearts to do that. Help us to worship you the way you deserve to be worshipped. We ask that in this room right now, God, as we prepare to take communion, that your spirit will draw us deeper to you. We're going to prepare to take communion right now, but we're going to keep worshiping God. As we get ready to pray over the communion, I just want you just right where you are just to make time to tell God you love him in your own words. If all you know how to say is, I love you, Jesus, would you just say it right now? I love you, Jesus. And for those of you who are comfortable worshiping God, would you just start to sing a new song or speak in tongues unto the Lord, building your inner man right now? Come on, just let this place have some spontaneous worship right now. Jesus. worship you in the spirit Jesus we go deeper with you God than just karaoke screams Jesus Jesus now if there's some needs in your life right now would you just confess your needs to the Lord come on some of you just need to say God I need you in my family I need you in my relationships I need you in my finances as you're just worshiping just let God hear your needs today come on because it's all going to come from God what you need more than anything else is a touch from Jesus today he's the answer he's the answer today Just one touch from Jesus will change your life. Come on and just confess it now. I just want one touch. Just one touch from you. One touch from God will change our lives, friends. Just confess what you need today. I need Jesus. Just one touch from you. Hallelujah. There is freedom in this place. I'm just going to ask you just to look up at me for a few moments. We're going to receive communion today in the presence of our God who loves us. And as we get ready to receive it, I want to let you know that we don't receive communion to be free or to be forgiven. We receive it because we're forgiven, because we're free. And so I just want to give you just one more chance before you just do something religious. Don't just do something religious today, friends. 
Don't just come up, you know, and just eat it. Come on. I want you to know that this is demonstrating your forgiveness, your healing, your freedom, your blessing. The cross in the cross of Jesus Christ is everything you and I need. So just one more time before we come up and receive it, would you just just close your eyes if you need to to get rid of the distractions. You've already seen enough in the natural. You've already seen enough of this world. You've already seen enough human beings and things of this world. Would you just close your eyes as a form of getting rid of the distractions of this natural world? And now with your heart, with your soul, with the inner person of who you are, Would you just reach out to God and let Him know today what you need from the cross? One last time before we receive communion, because without prayer and confession to Jesus Himself, communion is no different than just eating some crackers and grape juice. But we believe in spiritual power, and what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, We believe there is a God of heaven and earth and He hears His people when they pray. And He hears our prayers today. He hears the prayer of a young man crying out for purpose to heal your heart of frustration and disappointment. He hears the heart today of a single mother crying out through her pain, through her loss. He hears the heart of a teenager crying out from the addictions, the low self-esteem she may be facing. He hears us today. He hears us. He knows us by name. He counts every hair on our head. Just a few more moments. Just you and the King of Kings right now. Right now, His name is Jesus. Talk to Him. hearing you can you say amen amen we're going to receive communion the bible says that our lord and savior 2000 years ago walked the shores of galilee he called 12 men to be his disciples he was known of uh, among the people of his day as a good teacher and a miracle worker but one of his close friends took an opportunity with religious leaders and betrayed him to the roman government there he was accused falsely He was mocked and mistreated, and there he was sentenced to die. The Roman government had a form of execution that would not only get the job done of killing a man, but would also shame and humiliate them in front of the whole world. The cross, the crucifixion, most of the time they were beaten 39 times with a cat of nine tails, they called it, a whip that had nine different little whips in it. And every time it would go into a man's flesh, it would stick in bits of pottery and broken glass and pull out flesh. Then they most likely were stripped naked, not even to a loincloth, but mostly stripped naked and then uh, commanded to carry their own cross, which would be a beam, a cross beam of 110, 20 pounds, the the, the size of a railroad tie, if you've ever seen them. 
And there Jesus carried his own cross. People were weeping for him. And he said, don't weep for me, but weep for those here. Why? Because he knew he was dying for us. And there naked before the world, beaten and bloody, they placed a crown of thorns upon his head to mock him. They put a wooden sign in three different languages, King of the Jews, to mock him. And people came by, shook their fists at him, and spit at him. And said, if you're really son, the Son of God, come off this cross. And as they mocked and mistreated him, he looked to his father and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And there on that cross, a thief next to him cried out for mercy while another thief mocked him. And the thief that cried out for mercy, he said, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus, hanging on the cross, said, I will see you today in paradise. He's always saving, my friends. He's a savior. And there on that cross, as his arms were pierced and his feet were pierced, the only way a man could breathe is by going up on the, the, the feet that would cause great excruciating pain to the point of breaking the bones of the feet. They would put the pressure on the feet and catch a gasp of air. But when they no longer could take the pain of their feet, they would just slump down and begin to choke on their own blood, begin to have a heart attack or a brain hemorrhage because of the, the issues of blood going on the inside. And there as he slumped down to die, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And the Bible says that they took his body and they buried his body in the grave of a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea. This shows us that there is historical proof in where he was buried. It just wasn't any old tomb. And there they put him in that tomb, and his own disciples gave up on his teaching. Peter went back to fishing. Others fled the town and never came back for a while. And there, three days later, the Bible says the power of God removed the tomb. The stone that was rolled, it was rolled away. Jesus came forth out of that grave. And he went back to his disciples. And he said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go into all the nations. Make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit. And surely I'm with you to the end of the age. 2,000 years later, Jesus is with his church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Woo! Glory! So today, my friends, as the ushers are going to help you come and receive communion, our habit and tradition is for you to, to receive it here, but to partake of it at your chair with your friends or family in a time of prayer and gratitude. And as we do today, let us remember, our Savior didn't just die as a martyr. He is our resurrected Savior. He is alive today. Amen. I'm going to ask that Rachel would pray for the communion. Jesus, we bless you. We thank you for your love, God. We thank you for that amazing love that God never fails. And God, this morning, as we remember what you did for us, oh God, we ask that that love, oh God, that transcends our understanding, God, that your peace, that your presence, God, would come and meet us in this place. It would be more than just the motion, but we would feel you near us, oh God. So Lord, we ask, oh God, as we remember you, God, that Lord, you would bless our time together and we would in turn bless you for what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you follow the leading of the ushers and come?
and receive your communion. receiving communion just think of God's goodness if you've received it would you just stand back to your feet that way I know those who are done and we're just going to worship one last song today before we move on with our service and we're just going to just thank him today for what he's done on that cross amen would you just lead us in a song about the blood today thank you Lord Amen. Can we just sing this together? Ellie, would you put up the words for us, please? Thank you. Come on. What can make me whole again? Me whole again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, one more time. Let's just sing that part again. Thank you, God. Wash away my sin. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's pray today. Lord, we thank you for communion in this time that we have together, Lord. We thank you that in this house, God, there is just freedom, God, because of your blood. We pray that we'll never forget what communion meant for you. You gave your life so we could live. You took our sins so we could be righteous. You took our sickness so we could be healed. We pray that we'll never forget the cross and the cost that you paid 
in Jesus' name. And can everybody say amen? Let's bless the Lord. Praise God. Welcome to Metro Praise. Would you stay standing, greet each other? We're going to have a fellowship time right now. Just stay standing and greet one another. God bless you. Say hi to somebody. It's great to see you here today. All right, greet for about 30 more seconds. This is a new thing that we're doing for fellowship. I just felt that we need to fellowship more. So everybody shake somebody's hand. God bless you. So good to see you here this morning. Amen. Let's all find our way back to our seat. Praise the Lord. God is so good. It's so glad to see everybody here. Welcome to Metro Praise. I'm Joe Y. Rostick, your friendly neighborhood pastor, here to give you a wonderful time in the Lord. And uh, we just want to welcome you to our church where our vision is to love God and love people. This is our 9 a.m. We also have 11 a.m. And so we just welcome all of our visitors here as well. If you're new here, we have a place in the back where you can get all of our information. Uh, we have a lot of different cards on the ministry and different things you can uh, learn about us. And so we just want to welcome you here. We also have a Wednesday prayer meeting and time with the Lord. We call it Encounter Night. Everybody say Encounter Night. Thank you. So anytime on Wednesday you want to come out and pray with us here at Bible study, it's powerful. And then also we do Royal Rangers and Impact, which is our uh, K through 10 years old, fifth grade, a uh, time of mentorship. So I want you guys to come out for that for all of the children. And then Elevate. 
Come on, Elevate Youth Group meeting every Friday at 7.30. Teenagers, high school, junior high, come on. Adam, I just heard a testimony from one of the young people that they said God showed up in such a powerful way uh, last Friday. Tell us what's going on with the youth group. Amen. Basically what happened is we just had a Holy Ghost party. And um, last Friday, we always invite the youth to come out. We have games and, and all these fun things for them to do. But when it comes time for service, I mean, we, we just love the Lord. And uh, last Friday, I just gave them a time to just come up and just say, all right, we're going after God. And we just started playing on the guitar. And students just started coming up, getting prayed for, getting things in their heart. Just like, man, I want Jesus to come into my life because of this. And, and that's what it was. And the Holy Spirit did the rest. So all glory to God. Amen. Amen. How many excited about youth getting touched? Amen. Wonderful. I want to share something with you, those that want to help us invite people to churches. We have a ton of these in the back here and also on the table when you come by the elevator. Here are invitations that you can put on doors or windows right here. There's a little sticky thing on the back. You take it off. It becomes a little like a little sticker. Bam. Right there. Everybody go bam. You see, you just do right there, and then you can take it off. You can put it on your refrigerator, amen, and then Adam, like, turn your back, like, right here. You can go to your friend, and you can put it on their back like that, okay, and then there'll be a walking advertisement for Jesus, and so if you want that, they're in the back. I want to remind you guys to keep uh, promoting and helping spread the word, and like I said, our vision here is to love God and love people. Everybody say, love God. Everybody say, love people. Amen. Our vision here is to love God and to love people. That's what Jesus said is the greatest commandment, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to turn seven years old in March, and this has been the heartbeat of our church, and I hope that you will join with us in this vision of loving God, loving people. And then we have a strategy. Everybody go, strategy. Thank you. Our strategy is to, first of all, connect everybody to the cross of Jesus Christ. We believe that's the most important connection you need to have in life. And we believe the best way to do that is at life groups. Is anybody excited about life groups this morning? Woo! Come on. Seven times for adults during the week and three for youth. These are places of home Bible study, mentorship, prayer, and fellowship that you can be a part of. One of the, I want everybody to look up at me, please. One of the saddest things I experience as a pastor is when people go through trouble and I'm the only one they can call. I feel bad for them. You know, pastor, can you come out, get somebody to come out and pray for me? You know why I feel bad for them at that time? Because there's a whole group of people that wishes they could be there as well. And you see, that's what life groups do. See, if all you do is show up on Sunday, you don't get to know everybody else. And so these times is when you can get, you know, in a, in a house and do a Bible study. And when something goes bad, you can call that group up. They're going to show up with meals. They're going to be there to pray for you. And they're going to make that their habit to do that. And then you might say, Pastor, what if I have a good time? You're going to be there for somebody else. You see, we're not going through life alone. Can everybody say amen? So I just wanted to share that because I noticed as the church is getting bigger, there's sometimes people that fall through the cracks and they say, Pastor, but I need you. And I'm saying to myself, like, like this week, I'm in California doing work with the Bible College. I can't be there. And I feel so bad because I know these life group leaders. If you're a life group leader, would you just stand up? We're just going to brag on you for a minute. I know these life group leaders love to help and pastor people. So would you all just give them a hand clap, amen? And many of them are up here. And so they're meeting for the youth and the adults. And while you're there, you can get into our first step into discipleship, which is seven steps to spiritual growth. And they'll take you through this book one-on-one, -on -one, getting into the depths of your life, helping you develop the qualities of the disciple. Then everybody say mentor. 
Thank you. And when you graduate from this book right here, you can join our 201 class. Do I have any 201 students here this morning? Amen. This is like a Sunday school class. We have over 30 students, our largest class, going through this book right now. What are they learning? How to grow in their faith, how to pray, how to live holy. And today's lesson was on freedom, being spiritually free from the attacks of the devil. How many want to be free from the attacks of the devil? Amen. So our vision, connect you to the cross through life groups and one-on-one mentorship, then mentor you in a Sunday school environment of a class and to develop the gifts of God in you and send you out. Everybody go send. Come on, we want to send you out to change the world. That's what you see going on here. Saturday evangelism to Wicker Park. Also Saturday to the West Side inner city community. Then touching the lives of the high schools, going to three different campuses, doing after school program and tutoring. How are we doing all of that? Because people have connected to Jesus. Jesus, they've been mentored, and they're being sent out to change the world. And we believe if we do this, we can see 100,000 disciples here with 50 churches in 500 around the world. If you believe it, say, I believe. Amen. Praise God. And so we want you to be a part of the vision. What God is doing here today is uh, awesome work, and we want you to be a part of it. Also, right now, we have a new series on the end times. It's starting today. I want you guys all to come on out next week and this whole month and bring your friends. And I got a cool video, if I can get it to play here for you guys. Watch this cool video. Can you put it up for me? Armando Profesor. Let's start it again right here. Let's try this. This is a great video. It's life-changing. It's going to go down in history. Okay. It has audio to it. Are we able to hear it, my brother? I'm going to do it right here. You just talk to your neighbor about something right now. Is the volume up? We're good? Okay. We're going to try it one more time, and if not, I'll just explain it. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, just put a beat to it, dude. We're going to so do it like it was always meant to be. Okay? So here we go. I want to watch. Have you guys watched this awesome video about the end times? There you go. Okay. So the end times. It's going to be here all month long. You'll never be the same. Signs of the times today, end time events next week, the Antichrist, and then Jesus' second coming. Are you ready? The end time, Sundays at 9 and 11, right here at the Irving Park campus. Jesus is coming back. Boom, shakalaka, boom. Yeah. Think about scary things. Think about happy things. Oh, come Amen. Everybody give the Lord a hand clap for that. Amen. We just bless you, Jesus, for my brother. Amen. Well, we just keep on going. I want to just share with you guys um, our financial report. We made a dedication to keep you guys involved in what we're doing as a church month to month. And uh, we've been doing pretty good. But this month we need to work on some things. And so last month was our first month in the black. Everybody go amen. And so this month we came up a little bit short, but I want you guys to see what, what God is doing. And you can see how your money and tithes and offerings being spent. So uh, for the month of October, we brought in over $15,000 in tithes and offerings, over $900 in missions, over $1,300 in building fund for a total of $17,383.61. Can we bless the Lord? Amen. Praise the Lord. 
That is exciting. I will never get upset with $17,000. Amen. That is a good thing. Um, but the sad part is, and where we're at right now, is we spent more than $17,000. So we spent in our general fund over 19000 in our mission fund over 1100 In our building fund, we couldn't pay off any of the debt because we didn't have any extra money. So our total expenses was $20,395.04. And I'm thankful that we spent this money, okay? So let's give the Lord a hand clap. It wasn't wasted. Amen. Thank you. And so here's where we need to work on. We came up short $2,823.23. Everybody go, ah. Okay, this is what we got to work on right here. Our budget was only short this amount. Now, how do I believe we make up this amount? I believe we make it up very simply. So this has got to be our goal. We're asking for a church for everybody to tithe. You're welcome to come. If you don't tithe, there won't be an alarm that goes off if you don't tithe when you walk through the door. You know, like point to you. Okay. Though I wish sometimes. No, but anyways. um, The church believes, we believe, that Jesus commanded us to give 10% of our total income. Okay? So we're one of those churches. We believe that God actually talks about us doing stuff. And that means that whenever we make money, we always give God 10%. We're happy on payday, and we're just as happy on give day. Amen? And that's where that $17,000 came from. And last month, by the way, we had over 20000 So we've seen months where we've done it, and God has showed up. Uh, what we need to do is everybody to get on board, because I think... and. I know this is kind of new for us to be at this level as an income. Sometimes when we see things go well, like we did last month, people get a little bit comfortable and say, oh, we're okay. But last month was every hand on deck, everybody doing their part, and we got through. And that's where we're at right now because we stepped out so much on faith for this building. It's 8000 a month. I mean, most people don't believe it, but, yes, it's 8000 a month just for the building alone. I mean, that's where a lot of it comes from. And we do too, vans, transportation, the gas, the cafe, the children's things. And the reason it was a little bit more also this month is we did the uh, the Halloween outreach and gave away candy to everybody and first-time visitor gifts. And we just love doing that. So that's just what it costs. So we're going to ask everybody to be a tither to help the church continue to grow, to be obedient to God. Why do we tithe? Three reasons. Number one, God commanded it and it breaks the heart of greed. So it takes greed out of our lives. The second thing is, is it stores up treasures in heaven because we're going to be up there a lot longer than we are down here. And then thirdly, it helps us propel the the gospel across the world. Amen. How many are happy for the chair you're sitting on being in a church today that loves Jesus? Amen. With instruments and vans and all of the things for our children. Well, that's why we give our tithes. And then what we're asking, and Berto has the pledge sheets in the back, and uh, if you've already handed them out, perfect. And basically, what we're asking at this time, because we are coming up short. So I'm not a person that's just like, you know, give God $5, $5. Do I got a $5? Anybody got a $10, $10? Okay, woo, here's a holy rack for $100, and I'm going to throw it out there. Thank you, my brother. I don't want you to think this is a scam. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, no scammy. There is no scammy here. This is Jesus. We love Jesus. We have a financial committee. You can look at our records. You'll see them in depth at the end of the year. But the reason why we're doing this every month is because stepping out as great as we have, we need extra. And so we want everybody to know where it's going. If everybody gives $25 to missions, we can have a $1,200 mission budget where you can see last month we spent about 1100 That's right about where we want to be. The only problem is when we brought in 900 So if everybody could say on top of their tithe, I'm going to give $25 to missions and circle missions, we're going to keep working with our 200 churches in four different nations. Nepal, 
Pastor Madhav has about a dozen churches. Pastor Chime in Nigeria has seven churches. Pastor Anil in northern New Delhi, India has 40 churches. Pastor Amit in southern India has 60 churches. Pastor Edward in Pakistan has 70 churches. All of them have our books translated in their language, registered with the government, use the name, the vision, the strategy, and the structure. Can you say amen? And we need these books. Right now the books are not able to be printed in many of these countries because we're short on the mission fund. So I'm asking if you could give extra to the mission and into the building fund because of the camera that we bought, some of the lighting around Easter time, we have about $10,000 in debt towards credit cards and companies, and we want to pay that off. And so we're asking if everybody could give 50 towards the building fund, we can do this mamma jamma for Jesus. Amen. So what does it look like? You give tithes and $75 a month to the offering to change the world. Now, here's the good part. Nobody's going to force you to do that. And if you're like, oh, man, these are one of those churches that are going to make me give. No, we're not. Okay. And then by the way, we can't make God bless you either. Okay. So just something to think about, but as you give, God will bless you. Amen. I believe that. Thank you. Would you stand to your feet? Definitely not one of the funnest times of the service, but something that we believe is needed. And we thank you for giving as you give. That's how we supply the need. And most of you have attested for the, you know, the years you've been with us. Offering is usually the part right now, which is just a few moments. We're never going to make that the focus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this wonderful church. Lord, we know we're in an economic hardship. God, we know that many good people are struggling themselves, Lord. But God, we hold on to your promises more than anything else. And you said, Lord, that you would watch over your people that you would bless them to be a blessing, that you would provide bread for their children. And Lord, we ask you to bless them today. Bless your people. Bless with increase in jobs and inventive ideas and new companies, Lord, and for uh, education and for opportunities to, to increase, Lord, and protection over the things that they already have for your sake and for your kingdom's sake. You said if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto us. We place you first today. And, Lord, we lift up these nations. We just talked about India, Nepal, Africa, and Pakistan. Lord, many of them not only have financial issues, they have issues, God, with the government, persecution, sickness, famine. God, be with them today. Protect them from their, from their accusers, God, and those who persecute them. Give them healings in their body and miraculous uh, testimonies of protection, Lord. And be with them. And, Lord, we ask you to be with our country, our leaders, and the military, and, and those who protect our freedoms here. We're just asking you to bless America, Father, as you bless the nations. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Just keep uh, the prayer for Pakistan right now. He is still being... Um, threatened by the uh, excuse me the the islamic terrorists keep him in prayer and pastor madhav because he's being threatened by the communists so we have two of our leaders right now being threatened around the world keep them in your prayers and if you would say this with me on the count of three would you do it one two three and my god will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in christ jesus will you come forward rejoicing as you give thank you so much today god bless you
just want to remind you that we have flyers for the end times. You guys can uh, get a bunch of these and hand them out to all your friends as well. And uh, you can always give online at metropraise.org. Wonderful. Would you guys open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 24 as we get to talk about probably the most uh, exciting, uh, anticipated question part of the Bible. More questions about this uh, than I've ever had any other questions. The end time series. Here it is. If you're ready for the end time series, say I'm ready. Amen. We're excited that you're here. This is going to be awesome. Today's message is going to be signs of the times. Get ready to be blown away. I am so serious. Just researching this, I had preached on this about maybe five years ago, just this message, and some of my stats were old. And let me just tell you, going back to do the research on these signs, it's not going away, my friends. It's only increasing. I have the latest stats on these things right now. It is amazing of how awesome our God is that he would put these prophecies 2,000 years before our time so that those of us living in the last days might be ready. We're going to look at Jesus' teachings today in Matthew chapter 24. When Jesus walked the earth, what made him different from other good teachers is that Jesus was making predictions about his second coming while he was still in his first coming. That's pretty awesome. Uh, sometimes you'll see people show up on the scene and they'll say, yeah, I was foretold about so-and-so, you know, uh, by a prophecy, and it's usually vague. You know, sometimes we see movies made about this, Star Wars and uh, The Golden Child. Anybody remember Eddie Murphy and The Golden Child? Amen, too, of you. Thank you for giggling, those of you did. But Jesus wasn't only saying, I have had prophecies foretelling me coming. He says, I'm going to now give you prophecies about me coming back. And he's still on the earth. And when Jesus starts talking about these things, he's not even talking about them in vague terms. He's being so specific that if you didn't know these were coming, you could actually plan your life by what Jesus said, more relevant than the newspaper. I think you're going to see it that same way. Let's look at Jesus' teachings, Matthew 24, starting in verse 1, signs of the times. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. So he's walking by the Jewish temple, and there was many buildings in that temple. And then he says, guys, you see this? building and you see these buildings they're going to all go down not one stone will be left upon another keep reading verse three as jesus was sitting on the mount of olives the disciples came to him privately tell us they said when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age everybody say the end of the age thank you now at this point you get the mindset of a jewish believer the Jewish believer at this time believed only in one coming of the Messiah. That meant that when the Messiah would come, they would liberate, uh, that person would liberate the Jewish people, set up heaven on earth, reign on an earthly throne in Jerusalem, and all the nations would serve the Jewish people. The one problem with that is that Judaism in the Jewish country at that time was maybe only a few hundred thousand people. So imagine the kingdom of God happening 2,000 years ago, and the only ones who are saved are about 200,000 Jews. How many know that would be a lonely old kingdom? Amen? Are you tracking with me? So God had a plan for the nations. 
And the Jewish people didn't understand that Jesus also wanted to redeem nations, to call those people who were not a people, the Gentiles, his people. And what they didn't also understand was Isaiah 53 and the prophecies of the suffering servant, that Jesus himself would die, suffer, not just for the Jewish people, but for all the nations. So everybody track with me right here. They're thinking, Jesus, when are you going to start conquering and taking things over? When are you going to do this? And eventually they began to understand that Jesus wasn't going to do it this time, that he was going to have to come back and do it again. That's why it says, and what will be the sign of your coming? By the time they get to the end of Jesus' life, some of them are starting to understand Jesus will have to come back, even though they probably didn't know the cross would be as vicious and as hopeless as it was because they even doubted after that. But at this point, they're saying, Jesus, we know you haven't done these things now. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Can everybody say amen? Amen. Look at verse 4 now. Jesus answered. Here he begins to list these things that they're going to be able to know when he's coming back again. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that no one is that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Then it says, Nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Everybody say various places. Isn't that interesting? Various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Let's just say that phrase together. One, two, three. The love of most will grow cold. Look at that. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Can we say that phrase? One, two, three. And then the end will come. Thank you. I want you to look over the passage again. Here are these signs that Jesus talks about. He talks about a destruction of the temple. He talks about many coming in his name, highlighted in red, and they will claim to be Christ. He talks about wars and rumors of wars. He then goes on to talk about famines and earthquakes. He also goes on to talk about persecution, the increase of wickedness, and lastly, the gospel being preached to the whole world. Does everybody understand the signs now? Jesus' first coming was for redemption and to bring the Gentiles to salvation along with the Jewish people. That was his first coming. We know that he died, he was buried, rose again in the third day, uh, rose again on the third day, and then after many days ascended to heaven, and he said he would be back. Here are your signs. Here are the signs to prepare yourself. Now, Peter started preaching in, um, on Pentecost, Acts chapter 1, 2, and 3, Peter preaching, and he says the prophecy of Joel, in the last days God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. So Peter said 2,000 years ago, The last day's time clock started. 
At that moment, the Spirit came on the church, and they started preaching the gospel to the nations, and these signs began to start happening. And then, as we see now, 2,000 years later, they have increased to the point of pains like a childbirth showing us we're about ready to get to the end. Is everybody tracking with me? So we're not just in the last days, plural. That started with Peter 2,000 years ago. We are in the last moments of the last hour of the last day. So I want you now to see these signs that Jesus said with the statistics of the world you're living in today and how they have increased. And I want to ask you a question. Will you be one of those who grows cold or will you remain to the end? Will you stand firm until Jesus comes back? We may be that generation. We may very well be that generation that sees Jesus come back. If you're ready, somebody say, I'm ready. Amen. The first sign that he mentioned in Matthew 24, 2 was the destruction of the Jewish temple. Jesus made that quote in around 30 A.D. Forty years later, the emperor of Rome, Tastation, came and destroyed the Jewish temple killed the people and sent them running into hiding. Already within 40 years of Jesus making the prediction, that Jewish temple was destroyed. Imagine being alive at that time when Jesus had said to you, one of my signs is that this building will come crumbling down. You can only imagine how they were living at that time. They thought that as Jesus had gone up, the same people were going to see him come back. Now, some of the things I'm going to talk about next week are end-time events. We're going to talk about the nation of Israel. We're going to talk about these different signs that, uh, excuse me, different events that have happened to show us that the clock has started to speed up in this generation. But imagine living at that time and that temple being down. That would be like somebody in New York in the 80s looking at the Twin Towers going, there won't be one stone left upon another. That is how awesome Jesus' fulfillment was of his prophecy. He spoke about the temple. The next sign that we see is he said that false Christ would arise in Matthew 24, 4 through 5. I want you to know that there's been over a thousand false Christs in the last 50 years. And I want to tell you why this is so unique. Because when Christianity first started in 30 A.D., 40 A.D., for the first 300 years until the Council of Nicaea, Christians were burned alive, put at stakes, had their properties confiscated. No one in their right mind would go onto a public square and just broadcast, I am Christ, because that would just get them killed in a moment. Then you have, after the Council of Nicaea, a formation of what is now known as the Roman Catholic Church around 500 A.D. And from 500 A.D. until the 1500s, the Roman Catholic Church controls Christianity like a noose around its neck. They put the Bible in Latin when the people didn't speak the language. They literally had it chained to the the pulpits. It was illegal to possess a Bible or to change it out of its original languages or from Latin. They would kill and have inquisitions for anyone that questioned their authority and now you know why we called that time the what the dark ages so no one would have stood up and said i am christ they were burning people who they thought were witches are you tracking with me you wouldn't try to proclaim this and yet in the discovery of america and the freedoms that america brought there began around the 17 and 1800s this phenomenon that people began to claim 
to be a prophet of Christ. We see Charles Taz Russell with the Jehovah Witnesses, Joseph Smith and the Mormons. But these men don't go as so far to say they are Christ. What we just see is them saying, I am a messenger of Christ. And Jesus said those that would be there. But the predominant thing that he says is people then will say, I am Christ. That has not happened. But until the last 50 years, Big Daddy Grace in the 50s, Maharaji in the 50s, these different people began to call themselves Jesus. Now, listen to me, my friends. Those who call themselves to, to Jesus today have the largest followings of the, the false Christ have ever had. This man right here, Apollo Quibloy has over a 100,000 followers. He calls himself Jesus in the Philippines. He has 30,000 people show up to his meetings. You can look at his website. It is disgusting. He talks as if he is Jesus. He believes he is Jesus. He has meetings where people cry. They claim to have miracles. They come dressed in white. It is the, by far this, the most extreme cult I have ever seen where a man calls himself Jesus and in popularity, over 100,000 followers. Then you have the Jesus of Puerto Rico. Finally, a Latino uh, comes up and says, hey, I'll be Jesus, you know. It, it, at once it was David Koresh and Jim Jones, but now the Puerto Ricans give it a try. And so this guy claims to be Jesus. He doesn't have as many followers. He's based out of Miami. But do you want to know how twisted he is? He says that he is another Christ. And the symbol that you're supposed to have to follow him is 666. He has the tattoo of 666 on him. And his followers have the tattoo of 666. I have watched videos where people in their church are receiving the tattoo, 666, and the twist that he puts on it is, is I'm a different Jesus. Jesus was this Jesus. I'm this. I'm a different Jesus. And so 666 is a prophecy actually about me. And he turns that into something good when in actuality it just shows that he's fulfilling the prophecy of being an antichrist, another Jesus, a person against the true Christ. Now, I could have uh, uh, made this a little bit more outlandish. I could show you the videos. I could show you the 666 tattoos. I could show you the crusades with him. But I didn't want to give the devil that much time here today. If you want to research that, that's okay. I teach apologetics in Bible college. Just trust me when I say, today in your time, there are people not just claiming to be a prophet, but there are people claiming to be Christ, and they have more followers than has ever been upon this planet that was a sign that jesus said the next sign that he said i mean i think this is pretty obvious to anybody around is that there would be wars and there's been over 140 since 1940 now some people at this point would say well this is a vague one pastor i mean people are going to fight as long as they're people how hard would it be for jesus to predict something like this well the situation that we have is not that there are just people fighting. That's been around for quite some time. But what changed around the 1940s, the atomic bomb, how we fight? Since that time, we now possess enough nuclear bombs to destroy the world 20, 30 times over. 
And the wars that are being fought now is not just maybe back in the day it was a war between Egypt and a surrounding nation, maybe the Mesopotamians or somebody around at that time, the Canaanites and the Israelites. Maybe the death toll would be 10,000, maybe 20. Maybe if there was a massacre, 100,000. Do you know that Hitler alone killed 10 million people? Do you know that Stalin killed over 10 million people? Do you know that the genocide that's going on in different nations, like you saw the movie Hotel Rwanda, we're talking 600,000, a million people being wiped out in a matter of six months. This is not just any old kind of fighting. This is a demonic spirit of violence like it was in the days of Noah. The Bible says they were so violent in that day that they were killing one another without discretion. Now in the modern time, we have the tools and the weapons and there isn't a desire for peace. But rather, as we see with Iran and Ahmadinejad, there is more crazy people raising up to the task to slaughter and to continue to kill. Jesus said that would be one of the signs. The next thing that he said would be one of the signs would be famines. This is right off the In the World Hunger website, and I have these links for you to see it as well. Since 1990, we have been going up. There was a little bit of a dip around 95 to 97, but then you can see how it shot up to 2009. And they're predicting, but the facts have not yet come in, that they have brought it down. But where is this number at? couple hundred thousand, a couple million. No, one billion people. Once again, somebody might say, well, that was kind of easy for Jesus. No, it's not. Think of it like this. America has enough food and wastes enough food on their bellies and in their garbage that they could feed the billion people. There is enough food to feed everybody. But why are they starving? And then you begin to look at the places where they're starving the most. In Asia, China, and India are the largest nations that are starving. And then Africa and the nations after that come into into the statistics. But the number one nations are in Asia. And why is that? Does China not have any food? Does China not have any agriculture? Look at China on a map sometime and see the vastness of that country. It is because of evil in men's hearts and dictatorship. That keeps the people suffering. It is a sign of evil upon this earth that Jesus predicted. Do you know that in India just a few months ago it caught my attention. I couldn't believe it. And I even posted it on Facebook. Like an Indiana Jones movie. An explorer in an Indian temple found over a billion dollars. A billion with a B worth of idols. Gold statues. Diamonds in their eyes. And do you know what the temple said while it's situated in a place of poverty with the caste system that believes if you're born poor, it's because God is against you? Do you know what they said? They're going to keep those statues there. Over a billion dollars worth of money that could be given to the poor of that nation and surrounding areas. Is it any coincidence when you look around the world, who owns most of the missions? Who's doing most of the work? It's Christians. And is it any result that the number one nation that does the most work around the world with the Red Cross is America? Because these are signs to us that there are evil people in control of other parts of the world, and they're starving their very own people. Another sign that we see, oh, excuse me, here's a picture of starvation. I wanted us to get an understanding of this. This is also 
uh, something that we don't see a lot in America, is what it looks like. And imagine a billion people like this around the world that are facing this same kind of hardship. The next sign that we see is of earthquakes. Now, once again, you might say, well, maybe he was guessing. Look at the chart from the, you know, the conservatory, the, the scientists of earthquakes. This is from their page. Look at how the major earthquakes have gone. 60s is where it starts. You see it kind of a big one here. But look at how it increases. Some people might say, well, we didn't have the equipment back then. Yes, we did. We had the equipments ever since around the 20s and the 30s. We were tracking in the 60s. Look at just what has happened from the 60s. And then what did he say? Various places. Places that would come surprising to us. Places like the Midwest, my hometown, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Various places where the ancient world never would have thought it would have come through through the water, what we call tsunamis. These are various places. What about the earthquake that happened in Haiti? Hundreds of thousands of people died in that one earthquake. Some of my students from Miami are from Haiti. They said that today it is still in devastation. Is this just a coincidence that you see these signs increasing? Or is Jesus Christ keeping his word? Is Jesus speaking to you right now is my question. Are you ready for Jesus to come back? The next sign that he said was diseases. This is taken from the, uh, the AIDS awareness website, my friends. This is not a Christian manipulation of a graph. I will show you the website I got it from. Look at how AIDS has come upon our planet in these last days. Do you know that influenza, the flu, was a deadly disease in the late 1800s, early 1900s? Do you know how many people influenza killed? Only around 10 million people. I say only, but 10 million people around the world. Right now, there's 30 million people with AIDS. Here is the chart of how it's increased just from the time of 1990. Now we might be able to stop it. You can see it's kind of capping right there. But think about how many people in your world today have this disease. And you see, you and I live in a culture where we have hospice and these places where people with diseases go and we don't see them. But I've walked the streets of India three times in the streets of uh, Nepal. You will see them on the streets. This is what it looks like. And so we could live in America and be so, you know, oblivious to the signs. But the signs are among us. And that's why Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. While we've seen entertainment grow like never before. Do you know that my a great uncle played baseball? Johnny Wyrostick, that's his name. You can look him up online. Has a baseball card. Do you know in the 20s how he played baseball? By working a side job, playing uh, on the weekends, and just going on the buses with the team. He played for the Cincinnati Reds and different teams. You look at the, the number of Super Bowls around, whatever, 60 or 70. My friends, this mass media towards entertainment is something new. And I believe one of the reasons it is is because it's flooding our airwaves to be like a bobo or a pacifier in our mouth. So we don't really see what's happening by the millions all around us. Don't be deceived, my friend. We're not just living in a time like all the other times. This is an increase like we have never seen before. And then one of the most devastating, touching things that Jesus talked about is he said, you will be hated among all nations 
Christians would be persecuted. You can go to persecution.org or persecution.com. They're two great websites. They have documented that over 100,000 Christians are dying every year. More than ever before. Why? Because Christianity is growing. And the nations that are resisting them are communist nations and Muslim nations. The most devastating nation towards Christians is North Korea. Right after that is different nations like Iran, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and then after that is China and India. They are, and then Singapore, uh, no, excuse me, um, Malaysia and um, Indonesia. But if you just take the two categories of nations that are oppressing Christians, communist dictatorships and Muslim Sharia law, this man right now, Pastor Yosef, is in jail in Iran. And it just happened to be at a time when an, an O.J. Simpson trial or a trial of Michael Jackson's doctor hasn't been interesting enough that this actually caught media attention. But he's just the example of the hundreds of thousands that are suffering. Just recently, another group of Chinese pastors were arrested from their churches and brought into jail. Just a while ago, there was beheadings of the Egyptian Christians. When the unrest came there, the Coptic Christians, over 20 of them died. And yet Pastor Joseph right now is in jail in Iran. And you know what they're doing? They're giving him one last chance to convert. They've given him a very big book on Muslim apologetic to defend the Muslim faith, and they're trying to force him to convert. This is in the news right now. And if the media wouldn't have spotted it, he would have been killed like all the others who have been killed in Iran. What a testimony of the gospel. Jesus then said that sin will abound. Now imagine this, my friends. Jesus is talking to, the Ro- to Jewish people who live in the Roman Empire. We're talking that the Roman Empire drank and partied so much they had places in their bathrooms called pukatoriums where you could actually puke and, and get back up and keep uh, you know gorging yourself. They, they were that dirty. They had public baths. Some of the soldiers had little boys that would travel with them only for their sexual pleasure. And Jesus is saying to these people, you will see sin increase. My friend, we are coming to this time right now where drugs has swept over a nation, where sexual promiscuity is sweeping over a nation, where now things that once in the 50s and the 40s, adults used to be ashamed to talk about, now Christians are doing it in the church. Dr. Michael Brown wrote a book called A Queer Thing Happened to America, and he's making all of it known so we can read and know about it. But it doesn't stop here. It's not just same-sex marriage. It's not just abortion. Every plan that you see that's accepted now has plans behind it. Did you know that there's an organization of a man-boy love association, NAMBLA, that's right behind the homosexual movement, that when homosexuality gets approved in the mainstream, they want the age of consent to be lowered to 11, 12 years old. Things that you think could never happen are happening right in front of you. Listen to today's music. Things that we never would have talked about before is now being played in music. Violence in music, drugs in music, drugs in entertainment. And then this is the picture that we get today of what sin looks like. Sin looks pleasurable. Here's Bill and Ted on their wedding. They're so excited twirling each other around 
This is the world and its definition of sin. You're the fuddy-duddy. You're the fundy, the fundamentalist. You're trying to stop Bill and Ted. You're the problem. Just let them love each other. Let them adopt children. Don't you see how happy they are? And this is the way the world is increasing in sin as they're finding the pleasures of sin. Right now, polygamy is trying to become legal in our country. Movies and TV shows are being made about it, and it's becoming so normal because what these authors of books and writers of movies, what they're doing is they're taking away the resistance of your mind and conscience and showing you these pictures and movies and will and grace and helping you sympathize until when you hear the Bible, the Bible becomes evil to your ears. Because you've been so fed this image. Now when the Bible says homosexuality is sin, you call that which is good evil. And you call that which is evil good. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. Thank you. But there's some good gospel news today, friends. The last sign that he said is that the gospel would be preached all over the world. What you're looking right there is a snapshot of Reinhard Bonnke's altar call in Nigeria where over a million people responded. In one altar call, there was 2.5 million people in attendance. Over a million accepted Jesus at one altar call. Christianity grows eight times faster than the rate of birth. The Bible is the most popular book and Jesus is the most well-known name. Though they're killed us by a hundred thousand we don't die we multiply the church of jesus christ is pressing forward the gospel will reach every nation hallelujah jesus christ promised that we would prevail the stories of Mithra and Hercules have all died out as myths. The teachings of Buddhism and Taoism has died out as a culture has died out. And yet Christianity, with the most outrageous of claims, men walk on water, people survive lion's dens, is growing in some of the most unrest the restricted nations right now. China is seeing one of the fastest growth rates right now. India is seeing the revival of God come to that nation. Because God said, my gospel will be preached to the ends of the age. And I thank God that he is keeping his word today. Amen. And so the question that remains, after you've seen the signs, pretty simple to understand. I think everybody got it today. Amen. The biggest question that remains is, are you ready to meet Jesus? Because as we talk about end time events next week, we're going to talk about the rapture, Armageddon, a lot of events that, you know, that I believe are going to happen, maybe, possibly, just, just they could happen in our generation. We need to be ready. And even if it doesn't have its fulfillment in the next 50 years in our generation, my friends, you're going to die one day and you're going to meet Jesus and you're going to be held accountable for everything that you heard today. You need to live for Jesus. Here they are all together if you want to take a look at them. The destruction of the temple, 70 A.D. False Christ over a thousand in the last 50 years and the biggest we've ever seen. Wars and rumors of wars, 40 since 1940 and the most destruction and deaths we've ever seen. Famines, over a billion around the world. Earthquakes, increasing in major earthquakes in the last 40 years. Diseases, 30 million with AIDS. Persecution, over 100,000 a year are dying sin is abounding and the gospel is being preached the question that i want to ask you today is what are you going to do about it
with this on the screen to be a reminder to you. I want you to open up your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I just want to close out with this encouragement today. This is where the karaoke screen ends and where your Bible reading begins. Amen. Did you bring a Bible with you today? It doesn't matter if it's on a phone, iPad, scribbled on your hand. Do you have a Bible? Praise God. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul knew that these days were coming. He knew that there would be a generation that would see it all. And I believe that's us. And he gave us encouragement. And here it is. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Go to great America and have fun. Is that what it says? See, good thing you brought your Bible. That might have been it. He said, in view of God's appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Get rich quick and enjoy your life and make every day a Friday. Is that what he said? He said, in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. One, two, three, say it with me. Preach the word. Come on, one more time. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Here's the three things the word will do. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to miss. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist. Do I have any evangelists here today that want to preach the word of God? Amen. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. In closing today, in view of his coming, as the Bible says, in view of his kingdom, in view of his judgment, preach the word. Do not let tickling preachers and itching preachers come and tickle you into an coma where you can't hear the true word of God. That same word for itch in the Greek means to tickle. It says in the last days that people are going to not want to put up with sound doctrine anymore. They don't want to hear about a heaven and a hell and a Jesus. That's the only way. People won't want to hear that homosexuality is sin or abortion is wrong or the things of greed are wrong. There'll be a time when the world will accept these things. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 3 to see it all laid out. And then Paul says to put on top of it, preachers will tell the people it's okay. You were born that way. You were, let me show you some grace and help you get a same-sex union. Oh, it's okay if you want to have an abortion. The life hasn't started in your womb yet. God will forgive you. It's okay if you've committed adultery on your wife. Just have a divorce, remarry, and start over again. We're all imperfect. It's okay if you lie, steal, and cheat because I, the pastor, do it too when you're not looking. You see, the Bible says that a time will come when the wicked men will lead other wicked men and they'll both fall into the ditch. The blind leading the blind. 
mind. But it says that there is a cure, there is a protection for your family. There is something you can do about this, my friends. And it's three words. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. When people tell you that sin is no longer sin, preach the Word. When people want to discourage you and tell you Jesus is not coming back, preach the Word. When lives become immoral all around you and wrong seems right and right seems wrong, preach the Word. If they come to your house, take your children, confiscate your property, put you in jail and try to brainwash you against your God, preach the Word. Stand until the end. Jesus Christ is looking for a church that will not let its heart grow cold in these last days. But we will be a church that sees His coming is around the corner and that will preach His Word. Will correct. That first thing correct means if I'm going west on Irving Park trying to go downtown, which is east, you would correct me and say, no, pastor, you have to do a U-turn. When we preach the Word of God, we're correcting people's past. They may say, don't judge me. And we're here to say to them, I didn't judge you. The Bible already said it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm just telling you what he said. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what he said. Amen. Don't you judge me. I'm not. I'm just telling you what he said. I didn't write the book. I'm sorry. If it bothers you, I'm just telling you what he said. We're going to correct. We're going to correct a crooked generation where girls cut themselves, where, where, where teenagers do the most vile things right now to find happiness. We're going to correct them. We're adults. Do you, do you know that in the midst of, of this great recession, in the time that we're suffering, I was watching movies, uh, a documentary about these movie stars and these people who go to Milan and these different parts of, of, of Europe, and they're spending more money than this world has ever seen spent. There are yachts right now in these parts of Europe worth over a hundred million dollars. It's like they're dancing while the world is burning around them. They're eating, drinking, and being merry because they know it all is going to go away. But they don't understand, my friends. Their soul will be held accountable. Don't fall into this party, my friends. Correct the crooked past. The second thing is a little bit stronger than correcting. It's rebuking. It's called correcting with some passion. You're saying, stop it. You know, you sometimes got to get up in people's face and say, stop it. We need to tell the government and tell those who are in authority, stop killing babies. Stop killing babies. Stop abortions. We need to let that be known. We need to tell our young people in Chicago. Do you know that Chicago has led our nation in murders, not just one year, but many years. Last year, two years ago, one of the two, we had over 500 murders in this nation. We need to tell our young people in these gangs, Stop it. Stop killing each other. Stop letting the devil turn you against your brother. He's not your enemy. It's the devil who's brought confusion. We need to tell our children, stop your rebellious behavior. I still believe in parents that listen to the music before they let their kids buy it. I still believe in parents that check the movies out before they watch it or TV shows. Watch what your friends listen, or your children listen to, parents. Stop that behavior, because before you know it, as I know now, even a preacher's daughter is dealing with lesbianism because of the influence of this society. We just need to stop it. And then the last one is encourage. We need to encourage each other. Yes, if we see sin, we should correct it, and if it doesn't stop, we should rebuke it. 
But for those of us that are here today striving for righteousness, we should encourage each other. Come to life group. Ward off temptation with the word of God in prayer. Bring your family to the Wednesday night. Let them get excited about Royal Rangers and impact as they would about the baseball league, the dance team, and all these other 20 things they do. We should encourage each other to read the Bible, to pray, Christian fellowship, to witness and evangelize, to reach out to the nations. There's so much to encourage. And how do we do it? We do it with great patience and careful instruction. And I hope that you've received that here today. Have I done it carefully? Have I given you the instruction? Will you now be faithful to share this with your friends? Maybe you'll be at work and they'll talk about another earthquake. And you, should, you, you can be like, man, let me, let me talk to you for a minute. This is in my Bible. Look right here. In Matthew, it says earthquakes are going to increase. We can use these signs to preach to many people so that they will come to Jesus Christ. Let us correct bad behavior. Let us rebuke those things and put a stop to it. And let us encourage all to live for Jesus. Amen. Would you stand up on your feet and give the Lord a hand clap today for his word? Amen. He's preparing us. Man, would you come? He is preparing us for his coming. I'm going to ask that some of my altar workers would come to the front. We don't want to leave out today without a time of prayer and a time to consecrate yourself before God. You might say, Pastor, uh, are you trying to scare me? Yes, I'm trying to scare the hell right out of you. Yes, I want to scare you. I want you to know that it's a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. That one day you will be judged just like I will be judged. You know what the Bible actually says? That those of us who know more are going to be judged more severely. That just gets right to the core of who I am. I think about some of these pastors and leaders. Like I said, you know, they're cheating too. We heard about this pastor in Colorado. I mean, you couldn't come up with a, be- a, a better soap opera, you know, event. The man is in homosexuality with a prostitute while doing illicit drugs. I mean, could you have thought of a more just vulgar situation? And yet, this is the world we live in. He's going to be held accountable for that, my friends. I know that sometimes we think to ourselves, well, pastor, I'll make it right one day. But what if your day is today? It just amazes me, and I've said this before, how people in our city die. I mean, I'm not just like like morbid. I mean, I get the, the Chicago Tribune app. It just blows me away. Like two weeks ago, an older woman was walking across to get into the bus uh, on a street. The bus didn't see her. Bam, the bus ran her right over dead. I mean, just like that. Jerry, here, Jerry, just raise your hand. Her boss, just listen to this. They own a boat. They're on the lake. So we would all be like, yeah, I want to be on the boat at the lake, you know. Boss owns a boat at the lake. She has a boyfriend. She's sleeping at night, wakes up, doesn't see the boyfriend. She's like, what in the world happened here? She knows something's not right. She has a feeling in her gut. They call in the divers. The man has an open gash on his head and is at the bottom of the lake, right where the boat is parked. The The best understanding that they got of is he came home a little tipsy, was going onto the boat, reaching up for something, slipped, hit his head, knocked right over. That was just a couple weeks ago. I mean, not to mention car accidents. My friend, we're all going to die one day. And most of us won't see it coming. 
You won't have any idea of when it's going to come. It's going to come, as the Bible says, like a thief in the night. Are you ready to meet Jesus? We're going to pray today. And if you need to come and get your life right with God, these altar workers are up here for you. And I'm going to ask that no one leaves. We'll dismiss in just a moment after we sing this song and pray. Let's begin right now. Father, I thank you, God, for today. Then would you just begin to play. Father, I thank you that your word is here to prepare us for your coming and for the time we meet you, God. And, Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here and they don't know you, God, that they'll make it right today by coming to Jesus, repenting of their sins and confessing you as Lord. With every head bowed and eyes closed before we sing this song, I want to ask you, do you know the Lord? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior today? How do you know? By keeping His commands and having a relationship with Him. If that's not the way it is, in about a few moments, I'm going to call you forward. And if you need Jesus, I'm going to ask you to come to these altar workers. They'll pray with you today. In just a few moments, look at your heart, everybody. Please, come on. Is your heart right before God? Or has it gotten stone cold? Jesus is the only way to heaven, my friends. He gave you predictions that were more true than the paper you read. He wants you to be ready. If that's you today and you need to get ready, as we sing, I'm going to ask you to come right now. Band, as you sing, come on, come. Who needs Jesus? If you need the Lord, would you come right now? Quickly, do not wait. If you need to bring a friend with you, come with a friend. Jesus. Believers, would you sing this song out? And if you sense that you've backslidden, would you come? Because if you can't say God has it all, then give it away to God today. Let God have your heart. In Jesus' name. Come on, just a few more moments before we close out today. Who says, I need the Lord? Would you come now? We're pleading with you because we know that Jesus has a plan for your life. Right now, God. Right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're not where you're supposed to be with God, would you come? We're going to sing it one more time. But if you're not where you're supposed to be, people are already here. Come on. Maybe you have an addiction. Maybe you have a habit and it's drawing you away from God. Come quickly that Jesus can set you free. The Bible says because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. Let God set your heart on fire again. If there's any hearts in here that you would say, Pastor, my heart's growing cold. I'm not on fire like I used to be. I'm making small compromises. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to come now before we sing it one more time and close out today. Jesus is calling you. He's a jealous God, the Bible says. He won't stop working on your heart until He has it all. He doesn't want to share you today with pornography, with bitterness. He doesn't want to share you today with selfish ambition, 
greed. He doesn't want to share you with pride, anger, perversion, hypocrisy, and unbelief. He wants all your heart. Jesus, one more chance. Man, let's sing together before we dismiss. If that's you, come on, you won't relent, Jesus. Jesus, have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, Jesus. We see the signs, oh God. Help us to live holy, blameless and pure in your sight. My heart is your. One more time and then say, be the fire. Come on. You won't relent, Jesus. Have it all. My heart is yours. Jesus. Come on, sing it out today. Upon my heart. Come be the fire. Until you and I are one. One more time. Come be the fire, Jesus. out in prayer now and for those that need to go we're going to dismiss but if you need prayer for anything just anything healing fire of the Holy Ghost spiritual gifts want to pray for your friends or family we're going to remain up here but we're going to dismiss for those that need to go father I thank you for this wonderful service for meeting us here for blessing us with your truth I pray that as we walk out of here we'll never forget the signs of the time and we'll prepare our lives and those around us to meet you one day in Jesus name and everybody said amen can we bless the Lord today for his word amen God bless you those that have to go we'll see you at life group if you want to pray or seek God we're up here have a wonderful week